What's up, Exponers? You may be asking yourself right now, wait a minute, it's Thursday night, Friday morning, whenever the hell Jesse decided to upload this, why the hell am I getting Xbox on pushed to my feed right now? Episode 92.5, we just got 92, what the hell is .5? Listen, this is the director's cut, shut the fuck up and accept it, you're welcome, okay? So, for those of you who've already listened to episode 92, which I... You know, at this time, I don't expect it to be many of you, because I'm sure most of you listen to the show throughout the week, not the second it drops. You may recall that at the top of the show, I said, in response to Eric Matheson, who pointed out that, hey, it's rumored that on Thursday, Microsoft is going to have a roundtable event talking about the Bethesda deal. I said, oh, well, I haven't seen anything about that, so I'm going to go ahead and record the show. But you know what? If they actually do something like that, then fuck it. I'll, uh, I'll record a little something for you, because I don't want to keep you guys waiting a whole other week for me to talk about it. Well, Eric was right. That's exactly what happened today. Microsoft did a little roundtable with Bethesda talking about the Bethesda acquisition. So that's what we're doing here. We are here to give a quick little recap of what happened today in regards to that story and also give some thoughts and opinions on, you know, what was said and what was announced, which is not really much. Xbox did want to preface that this is not about announcements. This is about kind of acclimating the community with basically the ins and outs and the general gist of what this acquisition and this merger is all about. So that's what we're here to talk about. I do want to say as a side note, at the time I'm recording this, which is Thursday night, I guess the Xbox media cycle wanted to just fuck me over because God damn, today was a busy day for Xbox news outside of this event because I mean, just a whole bunch of stories dropped. So I do want to mention at the time of this recording, yes, there's rumors about an Xbox showcase, a game showcase at the end of this month happening. Square Enix is hosting a digital event next week that's apparently going to have a Life is Strange announcement. Out world is getting its new dlc next week and most importantly of all these other stories that we're not touching on here is that sony santa monica just had their senior producer poached to come work at the initiative on the perfect dark project so lots of big news there that we will save for next week up ep- next week's episode but i do want to note that yes the, the second after episode 92 went live the xbox news gods were like hey fuck this guy and just uh unleashed a whole slew of news that we're not going to be able to focus on until next week but just know that i know sucks sometimes it's just how the episodes kind of line up but without further ado this is not going to be you know this is going to be a quick 20 minute episode maybe we're gonna you know no comments or anything to go off of this is just let's talk about what happened today with the xbox bethesda roundtable discussion and uh we'll we'll leave it at that and fill out the rest next week for the regular show so basically at one o'clock eastern time today microsoft held a little live YouTube roundtable discussion where they had a couple high ups from Xbox and a couple guys from uh, Bethesda. You know, you had your Todd Howard, your Pete Hines, your Phil Spencer's, your uh, Matt Booty was there uh, digitally, and then you had Aaron Greenberg was there physically. So it was this whole hodgepodge of people there in person and people, you know, calling in. And it was actually really nicely put together kind of event because, you know, obviously with everything in COVID, we see mostly these days just being digital things, people on webcams, trailer cinematics and little sizzle reels and things like that. We don't get a traditional like seeing people in person communicating and interacting with one another. So it was kind of weird seeing that for the first time in a while. And that's exactly what this was. It was just a bunch of higher ups between Microsoft or Xbox and Bethesda just kind of sitting around in chairs talking about kind of what this is about. And, and one of my big takeaways here is that, you know, they prefaced with this is not about announcing news. This is about kind of explaining to the audience what this merger is about or this acquisition is about in kind of layman's terms and in getting audiences familiar with it. One of my big takeaways from this is this is about just kind of setting the record straight and setting the tone because obviously ever since this acquisition of you know Microsoft buying Bethesda or Zenimax uh, was announced it has been nothing but 
conjecture and rumors and just in a hype, obviously, because this is probably the biggest news in gaming, you know, in many years, you know, other than the release of the new consoles last year with the Series X and PS5, I would say easily Microsoft acquiring ZeniMax is the biggest story in gaming to happen in, in many years. It is just that important of a story. It's that big a deal. So obviously there's been nothing but, you know, runaway rumors as a result of this, the tease and the reveal of this happening. But now that the deal is set in stone, now that it's finalized, now that Microsoft can legally talk about what is happening here, what they plan to do, that's what this whole event was set out what set out for was to kind of be like, okay, now we can actually legally start having the discussion, start telling you what our intentions are and what this is all about. So that's what today was about. Very surface level stuff designed to help you know, explain what's going on to, you know, even more casual people or people who just maybe they're familiar with Bethesda, but they're a PlayStation player and they don't know much about Xbox and vice versa. So that's what this was all about. And the big takeaway, the big news drop here was when they gave Phil Spencer his little his little moment to explain, OK, now that the deal is inked, it, it, the ink, the ink has dried. Everything's official. You know, if, if Pete Hines says something back to you, you can bitch slap him and that's OK, because now he's yours. You know, you bought in your Xbox, whatever your Microsoft, you got that daddy money from Mr. Satya Nadella, whatever. So Phil Spencer has a little moment to say, like, OK, this is we, we see people, you know, conjecturing about will things be exclusive will things not be exclusive what's coming to other platforms where does all this you know with 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 the knowledge that playstation's already getting some bethesda games exclusive to ps5 per some previous agreements and you know the fact that franchises like fallout and elder scrolls and doom have historically been multi-platform the rumors are how is xbox going to handle this and microsoft or phil spencer's response was essentially he says quote and i just want to read this word for word he says if you're an xbox customer the thing i want you to know is that this is about delivering great exclusive games for you that ship on platforms where game pass exists and that is our goal so that is the very first thing to take away here right and if you just read that out of context, if that's the only thing you take away from it, that one statement, then yes, I was wrong. You guys were right for telling me for months. No, Jesse, you're crazy. You know, Elder Scrolls 6 is definitely going to be an Xbox exclusive game. It's not coming to PlayStation and Fallout is going to continue. Starfield, all these games, they're going to be Xbox exclusives. There's, They're not going to let these games come out on PlayStation. So yes, if you read it in that context alone, then yes, that's exactly what happened. It is a, I was wrong. You guys were right. And I got to accept that I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. This is not, that's not what's going on here. But even though I'm seeing a lot on Twitter and in news articles from various outlets and just the general tone being, okay, that's it. Xbox is going to get exclusive access to Bethesda games. I want to clarify because I still think even though this was Phil Spencer's attempt at being direct with the audience, direct with the consumer, telling you exactly as it is, I still think we're in a territory here where we're getting a lot of vague talk and a lot of incons not inconsistency, but you know, just dodgy. We don't have the answers yet, so we can't give you the answers yet. Kind of talk, you know, where they're, they're trying to tell you how it's going to be, but they can't really, because we don't know yet. It would include, you know, for us to have a full understanding of what this deal looks like, we would have to know about games that aren't even announced yet that only these executives know about. We'd have to know what the timeline for release dates for these previously announced games like Elder Scrolls six, which probably won't come out until our grandkids have grandkids, you know, like we have to know so many factors that we just don't know yet. So that's why we can't have all the information. So let me just try to get into what I mean by that. So uh, let me read Phil Spencer's comment again. He says, if you're an Xbox customer, the thing I want you to know is that this is about delivering great exclusive games that ship on platforms where Game Pass exists. Okay, where Game Pass exists. So that means 
Xbox consoles, you know, PCs, Windows PCs, whatever, and mobile devices that run xCloud, like Android and shit like that. So that's all that pertains to right now. Eventually, we expect, you know, there will be Xbox gaming sticks that you can plug into your smart TV and that there will be, you know, possibly the, the opportunity for Game Pass to come to other platforms if Sony or Nintendo were hypothetically open to the idea of letting Game Pass come to their hardware, which, you know, at this point, we all know is probably just not even remotely a possibility. But that is what he's saying. He's not saying these games are exclusive to Xbox and the discussion. He's saying this, these games are exclusive to platforms that have Game Pass, which I interpret as the platforms you already know that have Game Pass, like, like PC, console, Android, whatever, but also the platforms that are eventually willing to accept and adopt Game Pass. So it leaves that open door for in the future. Okay, so that's, you know, that's also another thing we can't really, you know, as for now, all we know is that Game Pass is on console, PC, and Android devices. So we can't really, it doesn't really benefit us to, to talk in hypotheticals about who could potentially adopt Game Pass in the future. So that's that. But the other part I want to I want to touch on here is, and, and this is the part I feel like people are just conveniently leaving out, and maybe not, maybe conveniently leaving out is a little a little mean to say, but at, at least they're just failing to really take this information in conjunction with the statement we just read a few times, which is that Phil Spencer he clearly said that listen. There are some games where, you know, basically the waters are a little murky. There are previous agreements made alluding to things like Deathloop and Tokyo Ghostwire, which are clearly coming to PlayStation, at least either, if not exclusively, at least exclusively for a set time. And then also there are things we just don't know about because, you know, games where there are previous contracts and agreements made behind the scenes. And that's the other things we don't know. So with Starfield, we what we do know is that before Microsoft bought Bethesda, this is a long time ago, PlayStation was, well, we, I guess we don't know, this is a strong rumor, is that PlayStation was actually in talks with Bethesda a, a year, over a year, two years ago, trying to work out agreements to get Starfield to be a PlayStation exclusive, whether that was permanent or timed, but this was a conversation, this was something that was happening with Sony and Bethesda behind the scenes, is that they wanted Starfield to be a PlayStation exclusive, and so do I think there's any chance in hell that Starfield is a PlayStation exclusive, even if it's timed? No, absolutely not. That thing is definitely coming to Xbox the day it comes out, 100%, but what I do think is possible is there, per some kind of agreement or contract already struck with Sony, it's very possible that Starfield could be contractually obligated to come to PlayStation. We don't know that. Like, we don't know that just because, you know, the conventional wisdom so far has been, well, Starfield is an IP that isn't proven yet and hasn't been established yet because it's the first entry in the franchise. So clearly, you know, that would be a great opportunity for Xbox to make that a platform uh, Xbox exclusive game. Whereas something like fallout is a little more understood to be a PlayStation game because it's multi-platform history. So that game would make more sense to be multi-platform. So I, that's been the conventional wisdom, but I, I want to point this out. I think Starfield is a special case that that could very well be a PlayStation game still, despite the fact that before it even came out, Microsoft acquired ZeniMax. And this is simply for the reason that Sony has been in talks with ZeniMax, with Bethesda for a while now about Starfield in particular. So for all we know, there could be behind the scenes deals signed regarding PlayStation in that game that are preventing Microsoft from making it a console exclusive. I know that's like really getting in the weeds and reading between the lines. But what I want to, what I'm trying to say here is that Phil Spencer acknowledges that there are contractual obligations and, and games that are already, you know, pre-agreed to go to other platforms. And, and 
because of the way he's talking about this and because of the way he's talking about, you know, platforms with, with game pass and, and, you know, all this stuff, I, I'm, I'm, I gotta be honest. I'm inclined to, to think that yes, you guys, if we're going to, if we're going to get really petty about this and split hairs about who was more right and who was more wrong. I, I agree. Those of you listening to the show who've been telling me for months now, Jesse, you're crazy. Xbox is going to get Bethesda games exclusively. PlayStation's not getting these games. Listen, I think you are more right than I was. I think that we will see more of these games be exclusive to Xbox or Game Pass platforms than I previously thought. I will concede that. I think I was mostly wrong about that. But I'm still holding on to the fact that I think you will be surprised just how many of these games still end up coming to PlayStation. I don't think it's going to be a whole... I think some people have it in their heads that, well, Deathloop and and Tokyo Ghostwire are both, you know, so close to launch, and obviously they've already been announced as PlayStation exclusives. Those games will come to PlayStation 5, be exclusive for maybe a year or so, and then come to Xbox. And then other than that, everything that ever has a Bethesda Machine Games, uh, Tango Gameworks, anything kind of Zenimax logo on the box will only come to PC, Xbox, and any platform that has Game Pass. I think there's a lot of people who really think that way. And I just want to put out there, I still think there's a lot of possibility that you're going to see some of these games, including maybe a Fallout, maybe Starfield, maybe an Elder Scrolls entry, show up on a PlayStation platform. Again, I just think that's still highly a poss- likely a possibility. But I will concede, for the most part, I do think these games are going to be predominantly xbox or game pass exclusives the other one that's a really big up in the air kind of thing here i think it's going to be machine games indiana jones game that they're working on because again i think the with the nature so this is the weird thing and i hear a lot of people saying this and and i'm kind of inclined to agree but then i feel like i'm a hypocrite because i i also want to disagree with it which is this idea that because Disney owns Lucasfilm, they're basically going to go to Xbox and be like, we don't want Indiana Jones to be a console exclusive to PC and Xbox and Game Pass because we want to make a lot of money on this. We want this game on PlayStation. We want it on Switch. We want it everywhere and anywhere we can put it because we're Disney. We don't give a shit about your petty console wars bullshit. We just want to make a lot of money off of our IP that you're licensing from us. And that's a valid point. If it weren't for the fact that you look at PlayStation and they've got Spider-Man, which is exclusively locked to PlayStation. So, you know, Disney didn't have the, uh, a way of interjecting and saying, well, we want Spider-Man to be on Xbox and to be on Nintendo Switch and everything because we want to make a lot of money off our IP. But then you could come back. And, and the reason and if that were if it were as simple as that, I would say that's why I think there's still the possibility this could be an Xbox exclusive and not a multi-platform game. But the huge wrench that gets thrown on that is you have to remember with Spider-Man, Sony has rights to the Spider-Man IP, or at least film-wise. So there's already a lot of precedent in history with Sony and exclusivity to Spider-Man, particularly when it comes to movies. So my my assumption is that Sony is able to leverage that from their movie studio, from Columbia Pictures, and then work something out with Disney and Marvel to be like, hey, well, Spider-Man is actually going to be made by our team for our platform exclusively nowhere else. And I think they're able to maybe leverage that in a way that Microsoft isn't able to because there is no historical precedent where like Microsoft or some Microsoft subsidiary has some affiliation with the Disney property that they have exclusive rights to or something akin to like what Sony has with Spider-Man or what Square Enix has with Kingdom Hearts. Microsoft doesn't have anything like that. So it is debatable what's going to happen here with Indiana Jones, but I, 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 
I don't know. I may, I feel like I'm flipped with everyone on this. I I tend to think there's a possibility indie could be a console exclusive to Xbox, you know, uh, Xbox and PC exclusive, Game Pass exclusive. But then at the same time, on top of that, an additional layer is that I don't think Disney's going to want to settle for Game Pass. I think Disney's going to be like, hey, we want to sell $70 copies of this fucking game and make a lot of money. We don't want Microsoft to give us like a lump sum amount of money or something like that, or like a monthly reoccurring a payment for using the license because the game is on game pass or however it is. They want to handle that. I think Disney's going to want the, the residuals from the $70 copies being sold one per customer. So there's a lot there with Indie. Indie is a very specific, a very specific example that doesn't really pertain to any of the other games. But again, I I still think this is exciting, right? I'm not trying to take this away. If you're a very big Xbox fan and and for years and years and years, people have constantly ridiculed you and made you feel like you have a tiny penis because they say Xbox has no games. Why do you play Xbox? Xbox is dumb. What are you going to go do to the the Master Chief and the Forza car? That's all you have. You just got the Forza car and the Marcus Phoenix and the Master Chief. Oh, I'll play the same three games over and over again. It's just bro shooters and douchebags and army brats and things like that, blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of, the way a lot of Xbox fans have felt for a very long time. And it's frustrating. It's like, no one lets me just appreciate the thing I like because they all got to make fun of me for not being a PlayStation guy. But with that said, I think, yes, this is a very exciting moment because finally we're in this position now where it's like Xbox has so many studios working on so many projects. Now you got, you got Obsidian, you've got In Exile, you've got ZeniMax and all the eight studios accompanied with that. You've got, of course you had Rare forever, but Rare has been doing more interesting things since, you know, CFD. Thieves, you've got Compulsion, you've got Double Fine, you've got all these teams. There are 23 Xbox Game Studios teams, and it's insane because we're going to hit this point starting in a year or so where it's just going to be boom, 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 Xbox Game Studio release one after another, after another, after another. And that's awesome. It's really exciting. But I just want to make sure that people aren't aren't buying into the hype so much that they're setting themselves up for failure by being like, oh yeah, you know, Bethesda's just going to make all these awesome games that are only on Xbox and PC, or in PC and PlayStation fans are going to have to, you know, fucking suck it for once because they're going to be twiddling their thumbs playing uh, whatever it is they play, uh, God of War 2, and we're going to have like 8,000 awesome games between Indiana Jones and Elder Scrolls and Skyrim and, uh, I mean, in uh, Starfield and Fallout and all this shit. And I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. Now, another thing, another aspect of this I, I kind of want to bring on board here, and, and this is something I actually saw Ryan McCaffrey tweeting about this week, and I saw a lot of people kind of shit on him for it, but I, I don't really understand why, which is that he was he was kind of talking about how now that Microsoft has Obsidian and Bethesda, they can kind of work out a, a deal to where maybe like Obsidian could kind of rearrange their product lineup to help with the development of Elder Scrolls 6 so that Elder Scrolls 6 isn't a game that we're waiting for for another 15 years before it actually comes out and things like that. And I I won't get into too much of what happened with that tweet, that series of tweets, but that got me thinking of how cool is it that Microsoft kind of owns now the whole, it's all come full circle, the whole like old PC crowd days, which is, it's so funny because back in the day, it was like, you had companies like In Exile when they were still whatever, uh, their old name escapes me. But yeah, like In Exile and Obsidian and, and Bethesda and all these old teams that used to work on various, you know, computer video games for Windows computers, which is of course Microsoft's own thing. And they had Fallout and then, you know, Obsidian was kind of making it and then, and then, eventually Bethesda got in and made Fallout 3 and kind of turned it into what we know as 
Fallout today, and then you know Obsidian went back to it, or the old town that used to work on Fallout that were now at Obsidian kind of went back to it and made New Vegas, and it's always been this kind of like story of like the studios that kind of bounced around with these IPs, the platforms they were on, the close relationship with Microsoft through it all, and now all these things have kind of come full circle where it's like Microsoft is Xbox, and under that umbrella, all of these things exist, and now between all the different studios they own, they have the talent from all the original guys who worked on old Bethesda games, old Obsidian games, old in exile games, fallout. They can have, they could, they could take the fallout IP now and share it between Bethesda obsidian and in exile. And it would be right at home with all three studios and they can mix and match team members and groups to kind of help one another out. And one of the things they were talking about today was Bethesda was talking about, you know, all the cool ways that they kind of secretly use their studios to help one another. And, and they don't ever, they don't usually publicize it. For example, they were talking about, there's this one demon that you fight in doom 2016 that was actually designed by the Japanese team at Tokyo at, um, at Tango Gameworks that works on the evil within. And they were like, no one ever knew that really, but you know, that's, that's a thing that happened. They were talking about how, you know, arcane was secretly working with machine games on, on Wolfenstein young blood. Now, a lot of people suspected that was the case, but, they confirmed it yet like yeah that that's the case was, we've we've been having that happen and and they're just kind of going on and on about how they're like we love you know a lot of times that like other studios that we own like if they have downtime they'll just jump on board and start working on other projects they talked about how machine games was actually working on skyrim back in like 2009 2010 or whatever before wolfenstein the new order ever even came out and i think that's really exciting and a really cool anecdote and story to tell them and the thing they were trying to do is you know explain the kind of culture and community that they have at Bethesda and, and how that's going to play into Xbox and it got my brain thinking you know that's an absolutely awesome thing they could absolutely bring over to Xbox Game Studios and I'm sure Xbox Game Studios does do things like that in some way like we know that like for example like Rare used the water assets that from the engine that Turn 10 and Playground Games used to make the Fortsig video games. And in Rare, use those water assets to make the oceans and the seas of Sea of Thieves. And so we, we've seen examples like that. And we've seen a lot of like Xbox first party studios play really nice with one another and things like that. But I think this op offers, you know, with all the studios they, they have now in, in Microsoft's kind of laissez-faire, go make the games you want to make with unlimited budgets and we'll let you have free reign and do what you want to do. But also kind of cultivate this this culture of you know of like community and these teams that work with one another and share assets and are friendly with one another i think it really opens the door this these possibilities of like what if you have like i don't know like you you have what if you have like the guys at obsidian help bethesda make the next the next fallout or make the next elder scrolls because what we could end up with is you, you know, an, an entry in the Elder Scrolls series or Fallout series that people objectively love. Because, I mean, you'll recall, Bethesda's had something of a fall from grace in recent years between Fallout 4 and Fallout 76 and, and games like that. And, and, and people kind of now in retrospect look back and say you know the best fallout was actually uh was actually uh, obsidian's fallout when they did new vegas and you know if, if that's the way your audience feels like what a great opportunity what a massive pr move you could pull if microsoft's like yeah here's elder scrolls 6 actually our, our guys at obsidian decided they actually wanted to shelve the sequel to um 
to uh, Outer Worlds so that they could actually help our guys over at Bethesda get to work on on Elder Scrolls Six. And and what that's kind of left us with is like a lot of extra hands on deck. So you know the guys over at Bethesda are, are saying they can get this game out like two three years sooner than they initially thought, and you know they're able to uh, in, in include all these new ideas and incorporate all these new mechanics and concepts into the game that they never ever thought about. And so what we end up getting with like Elder Scrolls Six is this like beautiful blend between what Obsidian brings to these kinds of games and what Bethesda can bring to these kinds of games. And maybe it cultivates in, you know, the best of both worlds kinds of situation, a game that satiates both the Fallout 3 and the New Vegas fans, both the Elder Scrolls Oblivion fans and the, I don't know, because Obsidian never worked on any of the Elder Scrolls games. But you get the idea here. I mean, I guess Obsidian kind of has worked on something like Elder Scrolls. It's called Avowed. They're making it right now. So it'd be really cool to see how these teams can all work with one another and help get games out the door faster or make, you know, everyone has their opinions. You're like, oh, Obsidian games are great, but I like Bethesda games better or vice versa. And this allows people, these teams the opportunity to put their heads together and put their skills and talents together and just make the best versions of all these games. And that's amazing. And now you consider the fact not only can they do that, but between Playground making Fable and Bethesda making games like Starfield and Fallout and Elder Scrolls and Obsidian making games like Outer Worlds and Avowed and all this shit... Microsoft is kind of back to where they were in the OG Xbox days in the best way possible. And what I mean by that is they have become the premier place for the Western RPG. And we're going to hit a point soon where it's just like, you're just going to see nothing but like awesome first party Xbox Western RPGs, like one after another, after another, you're going to get your, it's going to be so varied too. You're going to be like, here's a Forza and here's a beautiful third person action adventure game by rare. And here's a, and here's, a Western RPG by Obsidian, and here's one by Bethesda, and here's a first-person shooter by Machine Games, and here's a first-person uh, stealth action game from Arcane, and here's a first-person shooter from 343, and here's a stealth action, uh, like, uh, I don't know. But they're going to have this amazing cadence of, like, first-person action shooting, third-person uh, adventure games, and in these big open-world Western RPGs. And what we're going to get is kind of like a drugged up steroided version of what you had on the original Xbox, which was this like really robust lineup of Western developers, which is what kind of set Xbox apart from PlayStation Nintendo back in the original Xbox days to begin with. Right. Is because PlayStation Nintendo was a lot of like first party only or Japanese developed games. PlayStation was like a good mix of both. Uh, but with a lot of like, you know, still mascot platformers and, and things like that back in the PS2 days. But Xbox was the thing that was like, hey, it's mature content. It's first-person shooters. It's open-world, nerdy-ass action RPG games. It's all this kind of stuff. And in today's world, I think that stuff resonates with the gaming audience a lot more than it did back then. And I think Microsoft can really play that up now that they have all these teams with Bethesda on top of the teams they already had from the beginning, on top of all the teams they've been acquiring over the past few years. So now they got like these three pillars that when combined together and allowed to work with one another and harmonize and and bounce ideas off one another and share talent, I think you're just going to get this massive cadence of like amazing content constantly. And you're going to see tons and tons of Western RPGs. It's going to make, honestly, it's at this point, it's like I almost don't even see why Xbox gives a shit about trying to get into Japan because what we've seen so much, especially in the PlayStation ecosystem is that Sony is like 
divesting from from Japan. They're becoming less and less interested. They just shut down uh, Sony Japan or um, whatever it is, uh, Japan Studio, and, and they've moved their headquarters in recent years to to San Francisco. They then or I don't know if it was San Francisco, somewhere in California, but they're completely like out of Japan at this point. They're just moving further and further away from Japan. And Nintendo's kind of the one who's picking up all the nerdy Japanese shit more and more. But at th- at this point, it's almost like I mean, I, I still want to see Xbox try and get some of the Japanese market as much as possible. But at this point, it's almost like Microsoft was, you know, ridiculed for so long for being the, 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 the gaming pillar that didn't have the Japanese market that didn't have the Japanese games. And now it's like, they've, they've somehow outlived that, that negative press and that stigma for so long that they've kind of outgrown the need for it. Because now we live in this world where the most popular games are always the first person shooters in the open world action, uh, Western RPG games. Like think about what, what are the biggest games in the world? People love like overwatch and call of duty and, uh, and, um, in Witcher three and elder Scrolls Skyrim and shit like that. It's like, these are all Western developed shooter games and mature rated games and action RPG games and open world RPG games and various Western RPG games. So it's like, it's so funny. These were the kinds of games Xbox kind of always catered to back in the original days. And now they're coming full circle and getting really back into that. But the only thing that's changed from the beginning to today is that those kinds of games have only become increasingly more popular. Like if you go back to the Xbox OG days, a game like Elder Scrolls Morrowind, which was, you know, Elder Scrolls three, the first, the first Elder Scrolls game to ever be on console. It was on the OG Xbox. It was exclusive to the Xbox on in the console space. Like that was a, that was a big boon for a lot of like really nerdy people. But like most mainstream gamers didn't give a shit about a game like Morrowind. Even when Oblivion came exclusively to the 360, um, it was still like most gamers didn't give a shit. That was kind of a nerdy game, although it was a lot more noticed than Morrowind was. But you know, you fast forward to today in a post. Fallout 3, Skyrim, Far Cry, all these kinds of big open world games that people love and know so well, Mass Effect and stuff like that. You look back and you see like the next Elder Scrolls, the next Fallout being associated with Xbox. That's no longer like a nerdy niche kind of art like thing for a specific group of gamers. That is that is the mainstream. That is what the people want. And Xbox is all in on it. There is literally no better platform for that. I mean, think about Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That game is literally Nintendo's response to Western RPGs being how big and how special they are these days. It's their way of saying, yeah, we we understand that games like Skyrim change the game gaming landscape. They change what gamers look for in RPGs, what gamers look for in open world games. And it was basically their way of saying Zelda needs to evolve to keep up with what these Western developers are doing. And now Xbox is the premier home for these Western developers, for these Western RPG games. And I think it puts Xbox in a very, very strong position. So obviously that's not much, that's a long tangent separated from the whole exclusivity thing. But I, I just want to put that out there. I think that's really, really cool and really exciting. I, and, the, and the last thing I want to wrap this up, this is going a little long as, as per usual. It's very Xbox on, but I, I want to end with this. One other thing, and one other reason why I'm a little hesitant to finally completely let go and give you guys the full, okay, you were wrong, I was right thing about the exclusivity is because Microsoft does like to get cute. Remember this, Microsoft really likes to get cute with the whole like world premiere, console exclusive, timed exclusive, Xbox world premiere, timed exclusive, whatever it is they do. They love those little banners and sound bites and and little teasers to make it seem like Xbox has got all this cool content sometimes. So sometimes when when people like Phil Spencer say things like, well, you're going to get 
all these games, you know, exclusive to Xbox, or it's going to be the best experience for Game Pass subscribers. You know, if, if these games were truly exclusive to Xbox and the discussion, you would just say these games are exclusive to Xbox. But because I think sometimes with some of these games on a case by case basis, there's a little more than what we know. I think you got to take into account things like timed exclusives. So like, what if a game like Skyrim, you know, we constantly talk about like, how, how do you take the next Elder Scrolls game and just tell PlayStation gamers, you're no longer going to get Elder Scrolls, even though you've been getting Elder Scrolls for over a decade, you're just no longer going to get it. How do you do that and get away with it? So I think this is where the timed exclusive thing comes in handy. It's, this is when you can go, okay, you got an Xbox, you got a platform that, that has Game Pass, you got an Android phone or whatever in a Game Pass subscription. I don't care. Here's what you can do. Let's say Elder Scrolls 6 comes out November 2022. You can get it the day it comes out on Game Pass, on Xbox, on PC, on any xCloud device. You're good. You want to play on PlayStation? Okay. We won't talk about it now. But a year later, in November of 2023, a full 12 months after everyone with Game Pass and everyone with Xbox has already played this game, then you can buy it for $70 on PlayStation if your heart desires. There you go. You have to wait 12 months. You got to pay out the ass to get it, but it's still there if you want it. And and I wonder, you know, because Phil Spencer keeps saying these games will be, will, will have exclusive opportunities for Xbox gamers. These games will be best on Xbox platforms, on Game Pass platforms. And it makes me think that's what timed exclusivity is, right? Like you could say Rise of the Tomb Raider was best on Xbox because Xbox got it a full year before PlayStation 4 did. Yeah, it, it was best on Xbox. It was exclusive to Xbox, quote unquote, for time. And so that's the other thing is I think some of these games, you know, you, let's say let's say that Arcane comes up with an entirely new IP, kind of like what they're doing right now with Deathloop, entirely new IP, and Microsoft can be like, hey, this is coming to Game Pass day one. It's exclusive to Xbox and PC. End of discussion. Cool. But with something like Fallout or something like Elder Scrolls or something like Wolfenstein, something that has already been established as a multi-platform game, I could really see them going the route of you got Xbox, you got Game Pass. Cool. You get to play this game a full 12 months before people on PlayStation for free because you have Game Pass, and then those guys can pay 70 bucks for it in a year. And sometimes I wonder, is that what they mean by exclusive? Because again, Microsoft has a history. Xbox has a history, especially recent history, of getting cute with the wording. And I just, you know, I love Xbox. I'm, I'm so excited about Xbox. The past 24 hours have made me just want to quit my job and stop podcasting and just sit on the couch and play my Xbox. I love this brand. I, I'm grateful for the Xbox team we have today that runs the show. Phil Spencer, I think he does an incredible job. I'm so happy that he's the guy helming the ship. I want to make that very clear. But I also want to be really honest about what I think and what I feel and what I've observed from just being an Xbox fan for many, many years, which is I think there's a huge possibility that Xbox is driving the hype train, that they're over promise, not over promising, but just really nailing this in and, and beating the drum because they want you to be hyped. They want you to buy Xbox. They want you to think Xbox is where it's at, but it's not really technically exclusive because at some point it will come to PlayStation. I could see this being a thing. We've seen things like this happen in the past. I don't think it's a completely uh, unfathomable idea, but I don't know. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. At the end of the day, man, I just want people to be able to play these games and enjoy them. If Microsoft buying Bethesda literally just means that Bethesda games are going to have more budget and time to be to make great games, then I'd be happy with that. Because I, I just want people to be able to play these games and enjoy them. I want these games to be the best they can be. I want these teams and creatives that make these games to be able to put their heart and passion and soul into making the best product they can make. And I want Xbox to be successful and recognized and profitable as a result of these great efforts. Like I want everyone to win. 
and I understand that's unrealistic, but like I'm not here on my hands and knees praying that PlayStation gamers are robbed of the experience of enjoying the next Fallout game. That's just mean and stupid. Like that's not what I'm looking for here, but I'm just trying to be as like taking a step back, just reading the room and transparent about what I think based off of what I see and what I hear. And that's kind of where I fall on this. I think I am somewhat wrong. I think you guys were pretty right for the most part about this stuff being Xbox exclusive, but I still am not going to fully concede because I still think there's a slight possibility that some of this stuff comes to PlayStation, whether it be later through timed exclusivity or, you know, per special agreements, we see a lot of these games come to PlayStation anyway, and it becomes a very, very long time before we really start seeing the overwhelming majority of Bethesda products be Xbox console exclusive. So that's all I had to say on that for now. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's a lot of other news coming for next week's episode. But guys, this is supposed to be a quick little 90 episode 92.5. I mean, it's, about, it's going about 30 minutes, so I'm, that's short by Xbox on standards, but pretty long for a little update podcast. So I'm going to end it there. But thank you guys if you if you decide to check this out. If not, we'll see you next week for the regular episode 93. But I appreciate you guys' time. I uh, hope you enjoyed this little interstitial kind of half-step episode. And uh, until next week, guys, power your dreams. Mm-hmm.